Today's passage is Exodus 11, 1 to 13, 16. We'll be start, uh, we will start reading at chapter 11, verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people and the men and women alike to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go through Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. The firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there ever has been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egypt and Israel. All these, um, sorry, all these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord has said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one, one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not take the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. We're going to skip part of the instructions and continue at 12.29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborns in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner, who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship your Lord as you have requested. 
Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs, wrapped in uh, clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they have asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites joined from Ramses to Sukkoth, where there were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large uh, droves of livestock, both flocks and herds, with the dough on the Israelites had brought from Egypt. They baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelites' people lived in the Egypt was 430 years, and at the end of 430 years, to that very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt, because the Lord kept vigil that night, what, uh, that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all Israelites are to keep a vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. We will skip some further instructions and continue at 13.1. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You are to observe this ceremony in this month. For seven days eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be anywhere within your borders. On that day tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you up out of Egypt with his mighty hand. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Thank you, Carl and Susan. It's a wonderful, uh, very famous passage. Let's pray together as we start to look at it. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that you are uh, the living, speaking God. Please, through these words from so long ago, speak to our hearts. Uh, show us Jesus. Uh, show us the great rescue. And uh, we yeah, warm our hearts with uh, praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Yeah, now these, uh, I hope all of us know this story. Even if you're here today as a visitor, uh, if you know something about the Bible, you, you will probably know that story, right? Uh, the Israelites, they were enslaved in the land of Egypt, and God rescued his people. He came down to rescue them. Uh, it's uh, uh, oh, an amazing event, the Prince of Egypt, that movie. Many of us have seen it, because it, uh, it, it tells that great story. 
We've been preaching through it in Exodus. And, uh, well, today it's finally happening, isn't it? For weeks we've been waiting. The Israelites have been waiting. We want to get out of slavery. And today they come out. And so this must be a, a big moment in the book. They come out. Uh, so these must be very important chapters. But it's also important because... Uh, What do you do with important events? You remember them. Um, EJ and I celebrated our 15th anniversary two weeks ago because that's, you know, our wedding was an important event. Um, In the UK, we have Remembrance Sunday where we remember all the people who died in the First World War. We don't want to forget it. We want to remember it. Um, Well, that's why we have Holy Week. We have... Lent, we have uh, Good Friday, we have Easter Sunday. We want to remember these things. And, uh, yeah, not just us. Uh, what is it? Yeah, communion. Wait. I'm really sorry. There's the wedding rings. Uh, we're having a Seder dinner on Monday, Thursday, which is uh, actually from this passage, how people used to remember these things. Uh, These chapters are full of things about remembering. We skipped over most of the instructions, but the Israelites were supposed to never forget this. Some of the verses from chapter 13. You must keep this ordinance, verse 10, at the appointed time year after year. Uh, Back in verse 9, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead, Uh, like a wedding ring, something on your hand to always remind you of these events. So they they must be important. Uh, Why are they important? Well, it tells us about who God is. Uh, We've seen back in chapter 6, God tells, well, you will know me when I rescue you. You want to know who God is? He's a rescuing God. I I don't know if we often think of that. If you're here as a visitor and you think, okay, the God of the Bible, what kind of God is he? God says he is a rescuer. And uh, that is not just something historic. Uh, God gave the Exodus as a picture of what he would do through Jesus. Uh, This is not just interesting, historic, cultural things. Uh, This is to teach us about God's greater rescue through Jesus. So we're going to go through this passage. We're going to see uh, about this rescue. We're going to learn how God rescues. Because, yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) It is so important. eh? You want to know about Jesus. You want to know about the cross, what it does. We need to look at these chapters together. And the first thing we see is, I think, uh, surprising. And we think this is all about the Passover. That's how we know it. And the the Passover that brought them out of Egypt. But that's not actually the thing that brought them out of Egypt. Because it is a rescue, but it is... A rescue through judgment. They are rescued through judgment. What is the thing that brings them out of Egypt? Well, it's a, it's a final judgment, a final plague. Look at 11 verse 1 with me. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. One more plague. 
If you were here last week, we've had all these huge plagues, the hail, the locusts, the boils, the darkness. But this is the final plague, uh, the final thing. Um, it is a rather horrific plague, uh, verse 4. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. And uh, the death of the, the firstborn son. Now that is, a, in a way, a fitting punishment. Uh, what had the Egyptians done? They had killed all the baby boys, isn't it, of the Hebrews? Because they thought there were too many of them. But that shows this is not just arbitrary, isn't it? This is punishment. This is paying back for what they've done. Uh, it is judgment. You've heard the word judgment a few times. God is going to come in judgment. This is a great act of, of judgment. That's why it kind of matches, what, matches the crime, matches what they've done. But the thing that we should learn, in a way, is that judgment is necessary. And it's not just necessary because, you know, wrongdoing needs to be punished. The people need to be free. And judgment, it's needed to deal with the oppressor. How are the people ever going to get out? Well, God needs to deal with the Egyptians, doesn't he? If he doesn't, the Israelites will keep enslaving them. If the people need to be free, their oppressor needs to go. I think we've had a great illustration, well, not great. We've had a very helpful illustration this week with Syria. I mean, Assad, he is oppressing his people, right? What he does in Syria. He needs to be gone. And, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, the U.S. said that, uh, you know, removing Assad is no longer a priority. So what does he do? He launches a chemical attack against his people. Yeah, if there's no punishment, if no one does anything about it, that's what happens. And the U.S. has realized it now, and yeah, they're now saying, okay, Assad needs to go, and they fire rockets. If the people of Syria want to be free, Assad needs to go. Or, yeah, we've seen that sometimes terrorists taking hostages, right? They come with their guns into a mall and take hostages. How are those people going to be free? You need to get rid of the terrorists. It's very simple, right? But uh, even though it's understandable, it's, it's nonetheless, yeah, horrific. Uh, there, there was no escape. This judgment was complete. As it says, well, in 12 verse 30, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. Every family with a firstborn son, every family where maybe the dad was a firstborn son, all the firstborn of the livestock. I don't know, if, if you were a firstborn, this yeah, would have applied to you. Uh, I talk about the prince of Egypt, it's animation, and we think it's a, it's a children's movie. It's rated PG. I don't know if PG is enough. Uh, you, you say, but it says, why is it PG? Well, because of mild biblical horror. I don't know if this is mild biblical horror. All these, yeah, firstborns who died. 
And yet, it was necessary, even though it's chilling. But how does this apply to us? Because you think, okay, they were enslaved. If this is a picture of us, are we enslaved? Surely we're not, right? This is Hong Kong. We're pretty free. Um, Maybe you feel your work. No, the Bible says that we are enslaved as well. I think uh, Andy mentioned it. We're slaves to sin, slaves to wrongdoing. There's evil in this world, and we can't escape it, right? There's no escaping from the evil in this world. There's no escaping the suffering in this world. We try. We try very hard, but you look at the news. People are suffering, and they can't escape it. We are in bondage. Uh, this is a world of, of evil and death in many ways. And God wants to free us. He wants us to be free from that, which is it's wonderful news, right? But how does that need to be done? Well, by destroying evil. By dealing with the corruption and death. And that's what will happen. Yeah, our hope is that Jesus will return as judge. That's what we believe. Yeah? He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And that's a good thing because he will, he will deal with evil. He will deal with wrongdoing. God needs to get rid of evil to set us free. Uh, but there's no other way than, than that. Yeah? Satan, he's not going to just stop and lay down his arms. He needs to be destroyed. I mean, you want to get rid of Assad, right? We want to get rid of Islamic State. If there was an easy way to get rid of Kim Jong-un, that would be a good thing, right? Well, the wonderful news is God wants to get rid of evil. He wants to get rid of, of Satan, of the, of, the, of the human traffickers, of the abusive employers, the corrupt politicians. He wants to set us free. And we see the evil, we wonder, isn't God doing something? Why doesn't he do anything? He will. He will set us free from this bondage when Jesus comes and judges and destroys all evil. And it should make us grateful and hopeful and take away our despair. Although if you then wonder, if God will deal with evil, here's the question, why doesn't he do it now? Can't he do it a bit quicker? Why not do it right away? Maybe that's the same question you had, though, from this passage. Especially if you were here last week. Last week, God would announce a plague, and then it happens. But we had these two readers, and you wonder why did we get uh, Carl as well as Susan? I mean, from 11, Moses goes to Pharaoh, this is what's going to happen. And from chapter 11, you could go straight to 1229. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. You could go straight from one to the other. But instead, we get an interruption. We get all these instructions about the the lamb and the blood on the door and how you're going to celebrate it year after year. And only then does it actually happen. Why the delay? Why the interruption? Well, it's because Israel needs to be rescued from judgment. Not just rescued through judgment, rescued from the judgment. Because that's the issue, isn't it? God has said every firstborn son in Egypt will die. He will come and judge. 
He's also said he will spare Israel. No one will growl against his people. How is this going to happen? Well, that is what we get in chapter 12. Come with me to chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Every family, every house, they, they take a lamb. What are they to do with it? Verse 6, take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Seems a strange thing, isn't it? Killing a lamb, putting it on the, yeah, the blood on the doorposts. But the result, verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. It's a sign for protection. They need to be marked out. They need to be protected from what's going to happen. Shielded. Kind of, okay, don't go in here. It it keeps them safe. The judgment will come, and they need to be spared. I think that's always the issue, isn't it? With, With Syria, we've seen that. The problem, how do you get rid of Assad without harming civilians? How can we protect the civilians? Uh, terrorists who take hostages. How can you deal with the terrorists without also hurting the hostages? That's always the dilemma, isn't it? But here, yeah, this is how it's going to happen. A sign on each house of the Israelites, and that will protect them. And of course, this is uh, it's God's idea. But it does show they need a personal response. Right? The people need to do something. That's new, right? The previous plagues, God would, yeah, no, he, he would come, but the people would be spared automatically. But now they need to do something. They need to take a lamb and put it on the house, and otherwise, no protection. They need to make it personal. I need to get this blood on my house if I want to be safe. It's God's gift to me, but I need to do it. A personal response. And, and that tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that actually they all deserve to die. If they didn't deserve to die, they would be safe, right? But no, they need to do something. Otherwise, when God comes, they would deserve to die. Yeah? It's a scary thought, but it's true. They, they would die. I know this is, it's a hard passage, but yeah, they, they do. I mean, if you think about it, God will come and deal with oppression, right? He will come and and set them free. But is that just the Egyptians? Think of an Israelite couple and and a husband. He is very selfish and demanding, and he makes his his wife's life even more miserable than being a slave already is. It would be a bit strange for God to to spare him, right? If he wants to deal with oppression in a way... That husband needs to go as well, right? If he wants to make his wife's, the wife's life better. He should be judged too. Uh, have the Israelites always obeyed God, always listened? 
No. It, it's not just the simple good guys and bad guys. Here are the, the great innocent people, and here are the bad guys. In some ways, yes, of course. In another way, if you think about it, if God really comes and puts things right, really comes and brings judgment for wrongdoing, they aren't safe. They're not innocent. And it's the same for us. What if God comes and judges all wrongdoing? And again, it's not just simple good guys and bad guys. I've talked about human traffickers and abusive employers and dictators, yeah. But is each of us innocent? Is each of us, can we stand before God and, you know, I don't need any punishment because I look at myself, I still hurt other people. There is a a selfishness inside that makes me hurt others, makes me oppress others. And God will, yeah, God wonderfully will deal with that. But the evil is not just out there. It's inside here and inside you. And so the Bible says that each of us faces judgment. It's not just for the bad people out there. It's for each of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Which means that well, each of us needs to be shielded. Each of us. But how are they then shielded? Well, as we see, uh, the lamb dies in your place. The lamb dies in your place. The, the sign is the, is the blood. Why blood? Well, it shows the lamb is dead, right? The lamb has died. It says, you know, there was death in every house. And that was true. There was death in every house. But in some houses, it wasn't the firstborn son. It was a lamb, a substitute. Now, we we see that as a very light thing because we don't see much about dead animals here in Hong Kong. We are, you know, we buy meat in the market and we don't think this is an animal which has died. We, we, We don't take this seriously. If this was Hong Kong... We wouldn't really be involved. You just order online to get your house smeared. But no, they had to do this personally. What did they have to do in the uh, things? Well, first, first three, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb. So they take it on the 10th day. Verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day. So for four days... The lamb was kind of with the family. For four days, they had this lamb in the house. I don't know, the the kids would call it woolly or something. They would play with it. It's like a pet. And this child, this lamb became part of the family. But then, yeah, verse 6, on the 14th day of the month, all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And what did they do? They needed the blood so you would slit its throat and, and drain the blood and smear that on the door. And this is real death. It's dirty and, and smelly because you're smearing a dead animal's blood on your door frame. And it, 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 for them, this was very, very real, not something abstract. Yeah, we, we shrink, you shrink back from it. I mean, this lovely, sweet, innocent lamb, why does it have to die? We love it. But the thing is, on that night, back then in Egypt, the destroyer would come. And someone has to die. 
is either this lamb or your firstborn son. Who is going to die? Or if you are the firstborn son, it's either the lamb or you. You can see it's a substitute. The death that should come to you, the lamb takes it. And you are spared from the judgment. That is what shields the Israelites from God's judgment, the death of the lamb. And, yeah, if that moves you, how much more should the real rescue move you? Because how will you be protected when Jesus comes to judge at the end of time? Who is going to die in your place? Well, it's the same person, Jesus. The lamb dying in your place is Jesus on the cross. And you feel sorry for the lamb because it didn't have a choice. You know, the Son of God willingly came down for, for us. He willingly died. He willingly died in your place. Uh, he died our death, the, the death that we would deserve when he comes to judge. He took it on himself. God the Son came down and died in your place so you could be protected in the judgment. And no, no wonder we have a holy week to remember that. No wonder we celebrate it. No wonder we sing about it. Such an amazing thing. But a necessary act, right? It's necessary. They all had to have blood, otherwise they wouldn't be saved. And again, for us, we all need Jesus. If you're visiting here today, you need Jesus. You won't stand in the judgment. And Jesus willingly died for you so that you could be protected. He can protect you. He can, through that, make you free. You just need to, well, we don't take blood and put it on doorposts. You need to believe in him, trust in him. Turn from your sin and and come back to him, and you're safe. If you're a visitor, yeah, do come and talk to me. Talk to the person you came with. This is really the most important thing you will ever have to decide on. But most of us already are Christians, right? And, you know, this is the gospel, this is the good news, but maybe you're here, okay, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I haven't learned anything new today, you know. Well, what would the Israelites do? I'm not ashamed at all to tell you things you already know, because what does God want them to do? He wants them to remember. The big thing in this passage is remember, remember. God doesn't want us to always learn new surprising things. He wants us to remember. I mean, how did they have to remember it? Three things. It's the, it's the new year, 12 verse 2. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So, okay, from now on, the new year will start in the month of Passover. Tells you how important he thinks it is, right? I mean, if the Chinese government has deci- decides, okay, guys, from now on, Chinese New Year will start on the 1st of October, National Day. No more time off at Tunzit, uh, just uh, you know, a whole week off at National Day. They want you to really remember National Day, right? That that is the most important thing. For them, the New Year is Passover. And then this festival, a whole week of eating unleavened bread, and not, no leaven. With two whole days that you're not supposed to do any work, but have a solemn meeting, yeah? 
uh, yeah, you, know, you need to kill another lamb and put it on your door to remember. He wants them to really remember it. Uh, we didn't read it. The rest of chapter 13, uh, redeeming the firstborn. Um, every, uh, as he said in 13 verse 1, every firstborn male belongs to me, God says, because they would have died otherwise. And so every firstborn animal would be sacrificed. If you have a big farm, that's quite a lot of sacrifices that you need to make. A constant reminder, your firstborn son from yourself, he needs to be redeemed. Again, sacrifice. Constantly they would be reminded of this. Big, costly reminders. Again, like he says, it's like a sign on your hand, like a wedding ring. I want you to constantly remember this. Not learn new things, remember this. So we should remember our exodus, right? That's why we usually have communion. (laughs) Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we have Lent and a Good Friday service. Remembering this rescue is what God wants. It keeps it alive. It keeps it real. It keeps us from forgetting. He wants us to remember, remember, remember. After all, what do they remember? 13 verse 8. On that day tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It's what God did for me. And yeah, God's God did something for you, something amazing, and you need to remember it. I mean, think about it. It shows you who God is, right? It shows you who God is. God is a rescuing God, and if you forget to rescue, you forget who God is. You forget what it shows about him. I mean, does God love you? Well, we say we do. God loves us. How do you know? How do you know that? Life is hard. It doesn't always feel like God loves you. But if you remember the cross, if you remember Jesus dying for your sins, you remember how much he loves you. And we need to remember it, forget it. Otherwise, we forget it. Uh, You need to remember what happened to you. You were a slave. You were enslaved. You were as good as dead. And God rescued you. And life can be hard, and it's easy to grumble. easy to think, well, this is wrong with my life, and this is wrong with my life, and God, you're not taking care of me very well. Like a child who doesn't like his vegetables. It's very easy to be like that. Don't forget you were a slave, right? Look at what God did for you. Look at the amazing cost, amazing price he paid on the cross. You mean it stops you grumbling, right? Look at what God did for you. How can you grumble about your vegetables if you remember? We should be so filled with joy and thanks if we just remember this amazing rescue. It remembers who you are, whose you are. Again, God says, you now belong to me. I've bought you. you. You should have died, but God paid the price, and now you belong to him. Again, like a wedding ring. Charles and Army, they're now no longer single, they're married. And they need to remember, I'm no longer single. I now belong to someone else. I'm no longer independent. That's why you have a ring to remind you. You are not your own, as we just sang. This life I live is not my own. For my Redeemer paid the price. You are no longer just an independent person. You belong to God, which is the most wonderful thing there is.
And you forget that if you don't remember the cross, if you don't remember the great rescue. Eh? It's basic, but we need to just remember. Constantly remind ourselves of this wonderful thing that God has done for us. So the application is easy. Eh? I mean, come on Good Friday. This week, think about the cross. Come to communion. Come and remember. Come on Easter Sunday. Remember this great salvation. And not just then, every day, a daily reality that we've been saved at the redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Uh, come next week, if you are not sure, we'll look at the evidence for the resurrection. This really is true. But for us, yeah, let, let's remember and let's be full of praise and thanks for the amazing thing God has done. And that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave a bit of quiet. I'm going to pray, and then the music team will come up and we'll give thanks. Let's spend some time to reflect. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for sending your son to die uh, for people who didn't deserve to live. Thank you for that grace, that mercy, that love. Help us to remember. Help us to every day remind ourselves uh, that this is, yeah, that this is who you are, uh, the God of love who, who rescued us in, in such great power uh, with justice, uh, with love, with mercy. Father, please remind us, fill our hearts with joy and thanks. Would this holy week be a, a special week of, of remembering, of reminding? And would it fill us with, with love and joy and wanting to live for you, uh, our wonderful Savior and God? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.